0: Good morning, peach tree. Very nice. Romans 8. We're at the crescendo of Paul's Romans. This is a powerful chapter. I think Paul knew. I think Paul might have read this sometimes, be like, that's good. Oh, no, I wrote that. That's right. Uh, because you start off with there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you end it with. Nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God for you. Yeah, he knew. He was like, hmm, that's good. That's going to preach. So you might have some of this memorized. You might have heard it once or twice before. Uh, For me growing up, I heard it a fair amount. Uh, It was my mom's favorite chapter in the Bible, as my dad reminded me this week. And so, it was referred to more than one occasion, probably, in correcting me. Like, I love you, and God is going to get you right. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. But, even though we've been through this passage many times before, God can make things new and fresh and clearer to us than before. Which, thank goodness, because we're like 2000, in, 2,000 years in on the same book, so... Uh, I'm glad there's some fresh stuff still. So when we open the Bible, we come to a passage, and it starts with therefore, we then immediately stop, because we've got to figure out what the therefore is therefore. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Write this down, all right? Pens, paper, let's go. So let's start at Romans 1, and we're going to figure out why we're here. I'm just kidding, it's Romans, we're just going to do seven, we're just going to go back one, I'll summarize it, it'll be short. So Paul, in chapter seven, is talking about this pervasiveness of sin, or brokenness, or how the world isn't a utopia, it doesn't seem to work right. And Paul says, I'm writing to you, I'm writing to people who know the Torah, you know the law, you know the scriptures, you understand what I'm talking about. What I'm saying to you will make sense. And even though we might not know the Torah or the law as well as the people Paul's writing to, I think with a little self-awareness, there's a lot of stuff in here that we would agree with. Now, there's times in our lives where we don't seem to be able to do the good thing we want to do. Free example. If this doesn't connect with you, I'm a little jealous and bothered, but... Have you ever thought, I'm going to eat healthier and start working out? And then three weeks later, woke up and be like, I thought I was going to start eating healthier and working out, but uh, I still, it's ice cream every night. Because uh, that's, that's definitely a reality for me at times. And Paul has that famous yet kind of confusing line where it says, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. I feel like Paul, like a lot of philosophy-sounding people sometimes, like on his tombstone, we were found, it's gonna be like brilliant, but kind of confusing. It reminds me of uh, Would You Rather, the children's game. I don't know if you've ever played it, if you were ever children. I'm just kidding, there we go. It's a game we play On car rides all the time we normally play 20 questions or would you rather Uh, so let's play let's play right now all right it's a freebie it's an either or Uh, I prefer them when they're both kind of negative but we won't do that this time they'll be kind of positive or weird okay so it's gonna be you're gonna answer this question so think deeply this is deep stuff would you rather be followed around for a week by a monkey or follow a monkey around for a week. Who wants to be followed by a monkey? I'm gonna have to agree with that group. Who wants to follow a monkey? You have no idea where it's going. It can climb things like crazy good. Like you could set the standard and you chose I'd rather follow a monkey? All right guys, we're gonna have to, all right. All right, here's a good one for Atlanta people. Would you rather never have to wait in traffic again or literally anything else? My hands have already gone up. I don't care what the second thing is. Yes, never traffic again, please. So that's when I, when I hear Paul, I feel like Paul saying like, Would you rather do the things you don't want to do that are bad or not do the things that you want to do that are good? I'm like, oh, that's tough. And he's like, i just kidding. You don't have to choose because that's the situation. It's both. It's both. It's kind of a raw deal. Um, you're not great. I love you, but you're kind of hopeless. Some might even say kind of like a natural born loser. You can't seem to get it right. We can't keep the law. And there's no, the law has no transformational power. No, we don't even need to get the law. I constantly keep failing to live up to my own standard, let alone God's standard, until Paul ends this chapter, this delightful pick-me-up of a chapter, with hopeless wretch, constant failure, natural-born loser. What hope do I have? Who can rescue me from this? Thank God for Jesus Christ. So that sermon is the therefore. Now let's get to the second word. Therefore there. All right, there, I'm just kidding. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. After being reminded of just how constant our inability to get things right is, hearing therefore there is now no condemnation is such a breath of relief And fresh air. Therefore, because of Jesus, I am no longer guilty. I am no longer condemned. I'm a free man. But Paul also knows I'm I'm talking to people who constantly struggle with not getting it right. So if I tell them they're not guilty, I wonder what's gonna happen. Like oh, sweet, free pass, here we go. Or, like some of us maybe, like, all right. Clean start, I'm gonna get it right this time. I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps. A lot of us in here are American. What have we been taught? You make your own destiny. You pull it off yourself. You work hard, you get it right, you'll succeed. That's not really what Paul says here. He says, if you live by the flesh, You're focused on yourself. That's the old way. What happens when we do that is, if we're good at it, or we think we're doing good at it, or for a while we're doing good at it, we'll pull out our moral measuring stick and we'll compare ourselves to others. I'm doing good. I'm not as bad as that guy. You know, he cut me off in traffic this morning. Yes, I cursed him, but he didn't hear it. So it didn't count. Or, If you're not doing well at the moment, if you're doing badly, you might think, am I really not condemned? I I mean maybe like before, like I get it, like all the stuff that happened before I believed in Jesus, before I was like, yes, Jesus is my savior, free pass. But since then, does that stuff still covered? Am I still not condemned? Well, as a reminder, this was written 2,000 years ago. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you are no longer condemned for the past, for the present, for the future, for the before, for the after. You're covered. But that doesn't mean we take our license with this freedom. That, again, would be living in the flesh. And when I read Paul, I don't know if you find this, but when I read in a text and it says spirit, flesh, law, 15 times each in like 11 verses, I swear the first 10 times I read this passage, I skipped a sentence, a different sentence each time, because I just jumped from flesh here to flesh there, or spirit here, spirit there, law. What are you talking about, Paul? I mean, Brooks is doing a really good job in the sermon explaining it, but... Maybe I need something a little clearer. And so I wrote down 12 steps for you on how to live the perfect Christian life. I'm just kidding. I didn't write these down. But if you want a clear synopsis of these chapters, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, there is honestly very few better selections you could choose. I don't know if you know this, but Alcoholics Anonymous started in 1938, and it was based off of the teachings of Scripture. But let's look at number one. We admit we're powerless over sin, that our lives had become unmanageable. Yeah? Yeah. We all got to this point because Paul's talking to people who have said, I need a Savior. Jesus is my hope. So that's who I'm talking to. I need a Savior Jesus my hope we've come to believe number two we've come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity which is such the right word sanity because if you put yourself if you connect with what Paul's saying in chapter 7 where he's like I know what the good thing is I know the law and if you're thinking about the law and you're like I don't know if the law sounds good there's a lot of thou shalt not It's kind of annoying feels restrictive. Think of the summary of the law if you need a positive view of it. You remember the summary of the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. No one's arguing there's some bad stuff in there. We agree. I'd love to do that. Not great at it. Number three. Make a decision to turn over your will and lives over to the care of God as we understand Him. We're, I would say this happens pretty easy one time. We came up, we got baptized, we came up, we joined the church, we said, I believe Jesus is Savior, my Savior, my Lord, Son of the Living God. And now I got it. I know I've been here numerous times in my life, where I've been saved, and now I'm good, until I'm not. And then I, over and over again, I'm just like, why am I not more perfect than I am? Why do I keep failing and struggling? Why can't I do this? And it takes a friend to help. It would be great if I would just go, oh, I'll just go back to the scriptures and mm, right there. There's now no condemnation. Just wash over me again. But I'm not going to do that because I'm already kind of feeling like I shouldn't go there. because I don't feel good enough again. I need a friend, and I've had friends who have had to remind me, you are loved. You are in Christ. He loves you. There is nothing that is going to separate you from that. And that's something that the 12 steps will live by. It is not an alone journey. And that's something that we as a church, again, guess where they got it? Christianity, this life in the Spirit, isn't a life lived alone. It's a life lived in community. And there's nine more steps I'm not going to go through this morning. That would make 12 i've done three plus nine 12. but i encourage you if you want a bible study a devotion this week print this out print out the 12 steps put it on your fridge live this out this week i think a beautiful thing that the 12 steps gets to do that we don't is they all come in with the same thing they've all constantly admit every time here's my struggle and it It happens to be the same struggle, so it's a lot easier to give grace. We come in looking shiny, looking good in our suits, looking good in our dresses. Back in the day, in our hats, we don't wear hats anymore. I don't know what happened. But we pretend that we don't need it, that we're here, we're good. I'm here for Jesus to help him because I'm shiny. Sometimes I wish we could walk in with our our failures, our shortcomings, our sins on our sleeves so we could see each other that you're not alone, sitting there, feeling isolated, feeling like you're not good enough. You're not alone, you're loved, you're wanted. Nothing's gonna separate you from the love of God. And that's what this community is for, to love everybody and accept them and remind them there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen.